I, I was brought to the end of my limits. Um, and, and that's really where I felt my pastoral anointing actually went to the next level as well. Because there, there was something in me almost that, yes, I was naturally gifted, but there comes a place where your natural gifting isn't good enough anymore. Yeah, so Heinrich, I, I love this, this quote, another quote by Henry Cloud. He's got a book called Trust, and it just reveals to me so much of the pastoral gift. He said, trust is the fuel for all of life. Nothing in life works without it, especially relationships. We are wired biologically, neurologically, emotionally, spiritually, and psychologically to trust. Trust is the currency that drives everything. And so we need to be good at it. And for me, the pastoral anointing, I've learned a lot from my wife, Sonica. She's very much wired like, like you, Heinrich. She sees, she's always thinking relationships. She makes people feel loved and celebrated. We often joke when people look at me, they're like, ooh, we're not so sure about Andre. But then they think, oh, but he's married to Sonica. So he's okay. We can trust him. <laughs> and I'm fine with it, you know, that, that's fine because I'm always stepping out, I'm on a mission and obviously I want to grow in my pastoral grace, I want to love people well, I really want people to feel loved and that's why I need, I need you in my life, I need Sonic in my life, you know, and, um, and I believe, I, you know, I have grown a lot, um, my wife says so, so I'm not just, <laughs> I've grown in loving people, um, and, and, and that encourages, I think, should encourage all of us because you can grow in this. You can catch this. For me, this is the like at the core of the fivefold. You know, you might not be a pastor, pastor, but you can be pastoral and you can grow from wherever you are now. You can grow to a place of becoming someone that people can really trust and therefore they will move with you, whether it's your marriage, your children, a church, a business, any environment. People need to trust us if we are to be a bridge builder and lead them into um, what God wants to do. And so, you know, the, the Mark G framework, we're going to unpack that now a little bit. And I want to hear from you, Heinrich, what you, um, how you see this. And so just quickly some context, you know, the Mark G framework, if, you know, if just like a rocket is a vehicle which would transport people from one point to another point in the same way God has given uh, the church a vehicle or a gift called the fivefold ministry gift. And so the pastoral is a gift that moves us from one place to another, from broken relationships where people don't trust us to a place where relationships are whole and wonderful and united and, and you know, and connected. And so the M-A-C-H-G is like an acronym that we use. So the, the M is the mindset aligned with a mission and we see now the mission of the pastoral is is it's people it's showing people that we care and that they are loved by God and so it starts with a mindset we need to have the right mindset and the mindset is like the the rocket's fuel tank the capacity of the tank the size of the tank a healthy mindset gives us a bigger capacity for the rocket fuel which we'll unpack now in a moment but so Heinrich in terms of the mindset what are some of the key truths or mindset or key mindset that has enabled you to be a build, uh, to, to build bridges to people's hearts and, and to build trust? One of the first things that comes to my mind, Andre, is uh, Rick Warren's The Purpose Driven Life. 
um, starts off and it says, it's not about you. <laughs> Amen. And I think... Good starting point. Good starting point. Good starting point for ministry. Good starting point for anyone who wants to make an impact within the kingdom. It is really to realize that, but not from a defeatist point of view. You know, it's really to... Um, to catch this revelation that if I'm faithful to build God's house and to build God's people, God builds my house. And um, one of the massive mindset shifts that I had to make was really gleaning from Job's life where as soon as Job started praying for his friends, the Lord changed his life around. Um, you know, I remember this so clearly when uh, I came out of a, a relational breakdown it was really very intense. It was, it was traumatic and on an emotional, emotional level. And I really felt that, and I thought I'd heard God's voice. I thought I was doing everything according to the book and it didn't work out. And I, I felt like, you know, I felt I had a word. I felt there were things in place and other people had words and it didn't work out. So could I even still hear God's voice? And I was just trapped in this mindset of confusion, this mindset of feeling uh, like a worm, feeling like I miss God, I've, I've blown things. And then, you know, this sort of this perspective, this mindset of Job really so challenged me where he started praying for his friends, even while he was still sitting on the, um, the dung heap, so to speak, you know, of life. And as he started praying for his friends, God changed his, his life. And so I started praying for my friends who were engaged. <laughs> I started praying for my friends who were married. I started praying for my friends who had everything that I didn't have. And so this mindset of, of saying, God, I'm going to celebrate what you are doing in the lives of people. Because for me, there, there are these two, um, most people live in these two conflicting mindsets of they, they're either um, jealous of what somebody else have or they, um, they, they, they're feeling intimidated by what somebody else has. And, and I've learned that if I celebrate what they have, you know, it just releases me to, to, to partner with what God is doing. It releases me to, to really make the person feel that they, they matter to God, they matter to me. And so this, this culture of celebration for me has been tremendous. And to walk into a conversation, to walk into a group of people, and like, I want to discover. It's, it's, it's some of the things that gives me the greatest journey. I'm going to learn something new about someone today. But... But beyond just learning that person's physical gifts or, you know, what's amazing about their lives, I want to see what God is busy doing. But I can't do that if I don't listen. <laughs> I can't discover what God is doing. Now, of course, you know, there have been moments, and I live for those moments as well, where God gives me a word of knowledge um, about someone's life, and I, I see something in them, you know, just supernaturally. But I've, I've discovered that there's something about really listening incarnationally, have a mindset to say, God is already busy doing something. How am I going to discover that in this person's, this person's life? So I always listen. Um, maybe just want to read this verse for us quickly, Andre. Isaiah 50 verse 4 says that the Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught. I think the old King James says, He's given me the tongue of the learned, that I may know how to speak a word to him who is weary. And and it's such an encouraging verse, you know, that God, He wants to give us as pastors uh, a word to encourage those who are weary. You know, life happens and people grow tired. 
But there's something just after this verse that has shaped my mindset. It says that morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear to ear as those who are being taught. And so I've discovered that I cannot have a word in season for those who are weary if I don't listen first. And so listening to God first, obviously, but also listening to, to someone enables me, gives me collateral, so to speak, to, to earn the right to speak into someone's life. So for me, that has been a big mindset shift as been, I don't want to go into a conversation with a primary focus. I want that person to understand me. I want to understand them. And beyond that, I want to understand what is God busy doing in their lives. And so for me, trust is spelled L-I-S-T-E-N, listen. Um, and so when I shifted, it delivered me from a lot of insecurities. I was very insecure because I was always thinking, how am I going to come across and how are people going to experience me? And when I just shifted to listening, it, uh, it made a massive, massive difference. Yeah, that, that, that's good. Yeah, that, that's really good, Heinrich, because I, I, I've seen that's how you do it. it it's, you, have a, you have a gift to listen. And, and, and the result of that is you, you, you build a bridge to somebody's heart because you, you show empathy. You, you don't only listen, you hear. So after you've listened, you, if, if people will feel like you understand them. You understand their hearts and what's important to them, and that is empathy. And empathy is critical to build um, a bridge to somebody's heart. For, for, so that is that that's key. And then I, I love what you're saying. It's not about you. And so, so I want to remind all of us: if you know, if we want to bring the gift of God to somebody, we need to first build a bridge. Otherwise, people are not going to receive it. And I think that's why people trust you. You you have a strong empathy that you practically live out by listening. And I think all of us, especially the other four of the fivefold, really needs to hear this. <laughs> we need to stop talking at times and listen. Yeah, and I think, you know, we can talk about, uh, we'll talk about the habits a little bit later on, but, but there's some practical things one can do as well, because listening is an art. So don't be discouraged if you feel like you're not, yeah, um, where you want to be as far as that is concerned. There's some practical things you can do to really grow grow in your ability to listen to people. Mm, beautiful. Okay, so that's the mindset. It's not about you. And then now the, the A of Mark G, anointing that breaks down and, and builds up. I believe every one of the fivefold carries an anointing. It is ultimately uh, the Holy Spirit that empowers us to, to, to see something happen. So... Yeah, so the pastoral anointing brings a supernatural grace for unity, to make people feel loved. Um, but yeah, I know, so how do you feel in terms of wh what does the pastoral anointing break down in terms of the enemy's works? What would you say does it break down and, and, and what would you say does it build up or build out? Yeah, I think ultimately, um, Andre, for me, it's when the pastoral anointing really operates in its, in, in its best um, a manifestation, I think faith gets released um, in the hearts of people. You know, faith to, again, trust God, faith to step out, um, but also faith to trust the body of Christ again. Um, and so what I really see, the pastoral, probably one of the most beautiful manifestations of the pastoral gifting for me is Jesus on the cross. So uh, part of the gifting, the anointing, I it's difficult for me to really see how the pastoral anointing can fully manifest itself if it's disconnected from a lifestyle of intercession. 
um, I, I see those two going hand in hand. Otherwise, what happens is the pastoral, it just becomes sentimental. It just becomes, you're a nice guy. <laughs> and, and the pastoral is so much more than that. It's not just about being nice. Uh, there's, there's some, there is an anointing attached to it, and that anointing is birthed in intercession because that's where we learn to listen to God and we fight for people. And then so Jesus had this, this connection, that he, this bridge that he built between God, man and God, but also this bridge that he built between man and man. And, and, and so I see this really when the pastoral gift really flows People's trust towards God gets restored, um, but specifically also people's trust towards the body of Christ. So I see the pastoral being able, literally as Jesus said, being able to go and find that one that has gone astray and bring them back into the fold. Um, you know, and say, hey man, this is where your safe place is. It's in the body of Christ. So, so the pastoral anointing, when it really flows, it breaks bondages of unforgiveness, it breaks bondages of offense, it breaks bondages of hopelessness and despair, and even of suicide, death, and self-harm. Um, because, it, because we're relational, aren't we, Andre? We, God has created us to reflect Him, and He is in perfect community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, I've, and, and I firmly believe that the pastoral anointing has the ability to pull people into community with a triune God, but also into community with the body of Christ. And that is when we are at our safest. It's not just when my individual gift flourishes. It is when I'm, as the rest of Ephesians 4 goes on, it, it, you know, verse 16 speaks about just how the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The joints are connected to each other. Um, I always say that um, you know, it'll be weird for an ear to be lying around when you walk into your home and there's an ear lying on the kitchen floor. That'll just be weird. Yeah. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> but when an ear is connected to a head, it's beautiful. It's, it's incredible and connected to the rest of the body. And, I, and the pastoral has that ability to take disconnected giftings bring them together, have them find their right place, step back, and just see the body does its thing. I think it's just, it's just beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Mm. That is, I, I see like the pastoral anointing, like, like the glue that, as you said, add the ear to the body, connect, you know, the other four of the fivefold, they tend to just run all over the show, but the pastoral is like, hey guys, let's connect again. The pastoral, I also think, is like Isaiah 61. It says Jesus was anointed to heal broken hearts. And I think the pastoral is that it just makes people feel safe. And then hearts can be healed and relationships can be restored. And so it is powerful. We are in massive trouble if the pastoral is lacking in our homes, in our businesses even, you know, in the church. We need, Heinrich, we need what you carry. And, um, and yo, I'm excited for us to, for everyone to catch this. So, so are there any individuals that, that you feel that really, you know, impacted you in a significant way in terms of growing in the pastoral? I think I'm probably going to sound a little bit like a stuck record, but definitely my dad. Um, I think just as a, as a shepherd, as, as a man who 
demonstrated going the extra mile, literally uh, visiting people, driving to go and visit people, spending time with them, being able to build bridges as well, you know, between even different um, uh, socioeconomic groups. Uh, he was massive, massive for me in terms of his servant-heartedness. Um, and then somebody like um, Pastor William Corizon uh, in our church family, you know, just to me demonstrated um, the beauty of the pastoral and, and how needed the pastoral is within the context of the apostolic. I think it really helped me to, to see that um, the pastoral isn't just, like I said, the nice, the nice guy on the, on the team, but it's so crucial for the, um, the church to be everything God has called it to be, together with all the other giftings that, that God has placed together. So I think those two, they, they, they were definitely instrumental in shaping my perspective and my, my understanding of what the pastoral can, can be. And the fact that, you know, their gifts have manifested in such a way that those closest to them have benefited from it. And, um, you know, that's, that's a massive privilege. You can see the fruit. Yeah, you can see the fruit. You can see the fruit in their relationships. And I, and I think, Henry, for, for us as a show for, you know, 2012 to 2017 uh, and before, you know, there was, we, we lacked the pastoral gift. And I think that's why, 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 why things became divided. People didn't trust one another anymore. It was mistrust. And I think what happens is that, especially like the apostolic and prophetic, even the evangelistic, we tend to look down upon the pastoral. We tend to think, oh, man, we want to run. We want to make things happen. The pastoral is holding us back. And it's not. It's bringing sustainability to what we're doing. Because what's the point of running 100 meters and then you crash and you're dead? This is a marathon. And we wanted to go from one generation to the next. And I think that's what you bring to the table and other pastoral gifts. You bring a sustainability to ministry, to relationships, and to life. So it's it's just... Again, massively important. So um, the anointing uh, is like the rocket fuel of this rocket we want to shoot. So you want anointing, you know. And 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 as you said, we we grow. Would you say primarily through prayer, but also I, I'd say impartation. So when you get exposure to other gifts, you you catch that. Yeah, definitely impartation. Yeah, definitely impartation. Um, I, I think um, it, it's so important to. Part of the mindset shift that ties into the anointing is, is to see it as an anointing, is to really understand, and you touched on it, but I think sometimes those who operate in the pastoral um, do suffer from a, um, an inferiority. Uh, I don't, don't want to call it inferiority complex, but there is this tendency to even look down upon um, themselves as well and to, to understand the anointing that it is it is a gift just because it's sometimes not as visibly demonstrative as some of the other gifts. Um, you still have to understand it's not you. You still have to understand this is not your, just your personality, something that you carry, and you can grow in that, but you have to thank God for it, and you have to understand its power. Uh, in humility, but you have to understand the, the, the grace that enables the body of Christ to be set free and to flourish. Um, and, and so when you... You see yourself coming into contact with people who carry that grace upon their lives, um, learn from them, read their books, 
Um, ask them to lay hands on you if, if, if that's possible. Spend time with them. Catch that. Learn from them. It's so, so, so important, as it is with any of the other gifts in which we, in which we want to grow. Yeah, catch it. Yeah, you need to catch it. I, I, I so agree that, that because I see with me and Sonic, and my, my wife's very pastoral, and so we would they go to Brazil the one time, and you know, people be there would be miracles and healings and salvations and the power of God, and and then the evening comes where we need to we're going to talk about marriage and relationships, and Sonic is going to be talking, and then before the time she's so upset because she's like, this isn't so powerful as what you carry, and I'm like. There is no ministry without what you carry. There is no future if our marriages fall apart. And so over the years, I've so had to speak into Sonica's life, you know, to say, hey, what you carry, it's massive. It's massive. You know, it's the heart of Jesus. As I said, it's the sustainability. And so we need to shake off that lie from the enemy that the pastoral isn't as important as the other ones. Every one of the fivefold are equally important. There's not the one above the other. Our pastoral friends are gifted in that. That's why we need the apostolic. Uh, that is why we do need the prophetic is because we need to hang around guys who do carry that spirit of boldness upon them and receive from them as well. Um, because there's, there's definitely that anointing, that grace to forge ahead and break open new ground, to be bold, to, to see things that sometimes in a pastoral context we might, we might miss out on. And so we, we, we need the apostolic. We need the guys who are prophetically inclined to help us again not become complacent, or not withdraw, and, uh, um, and, and not see the grace that's upon, that's upon our lives. So... So the pastoral guys, I want to encourage you as well, be active in terms of going on a mission, going to a conference, spending time with your apostolically gifted friends, brothers, even if they're in other parts of the body of Christ. Make an effort to, to hang around those guys because they lift you up in terms of your, your perspective. And they will even help you to see yourself differently uh, through the eyes of, of, of the apostolic and the prophetic. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. It's, it's actually... If you want to grow in your fivefold gift, you need the other four. They unlock you to be fully you. That's the interesting thing. It's not only getting exposed to pastoral gifting, but as you get exposed to teacher gifting and prophetic and apostolic and so forth, it unlocks who you are destined to be. So I so agree. That's powerful. And so, okay, so let's move to the, the next one, the character of Christ. And, the, and and this is like the the whole of the rocket. If the if the whole of the rocket doesn't have integrity, if it's not solidly built, things blow up. So without character, things blow up. And I think the pastoral, you know, brings relational integrity to the game. I mean, that's you. When I think of you, I think integrity, godliness. Honesty, humility—you know, you 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 embody that. You reveal a part of who Jesus is, and so yeah. So let's unpack that quickly. Um, what what do you say be, has been some of the biggest challenges that you faced, especially when it comes to this? this you know, maybe the storm, pressure. Um, yeah, let, let's talk about that. Yeah. So I think the like you said, the, the storms are um, they're precious in the sense that we learn so much. Um, from those storms. You wouldn't necessarily choose those storms, but um, they, they, they reveal much and they, they, they teach us so much about uh, even what God is, is, is wanting to reveal through us and wants to release through us. So 
Um, normally, what you are being tested in, what you are experiencing as a hard time, is a key to a new dimension of your, of your anointing. So I think initially, you know, being in Shofar, um, there were times where I felt extremely lonely, I felt extremely misunderstood, I felt, um, you know, as, as, as if I was the odd one, the odd one out. Um, just because of, you know, the way our country was wired initially and then, you know, coming together in the early days of the 90s, it was a big learning curve for everyone. And I, I think I learned so much there during periods where I felt lonely. I felt like people didn't understand me and, and um, I, I began to develop a heart for those who would feel that way. Um, you know, and so through that, I'm able to spot people, even, even in a crowd, I'm able to pick up on this guy's here but he's probably not feeling as if he's part of the group and to build a bridge towards that person because I knew what that feels like um, you know and so uh, uh, um, those times of loneliness has actually enabled me to really press into God to to value uh, friendship and and getting to know people but stepping outside of my comfort zone um, one of the big journeys for 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 us is a as a family, my wife and I, as we carry this, this, uh, this, this joyous burden of leading our church family together, was growing, you know, um, as a couple and as a family. So we went to um, Pretoria to pastor the congregation there. We were young. We, um, we had a young family uh, at that stage. We had a, a two-and-a-half-year-old boy that we had uh, fostered. We had our own um, daughter, biological daughter, who was just born six months old. And we went to to brand new city, brand new environment. Uh, when you come from Cape Town, you go to Pretoria, it's like going to a foreign country. And uh, so we, we had to learn so much, you know, I'm so thankful for the grace of the Lord upon our lives and, and for the church. But think about some of the mistakes we made. I'm like, well, Lord, you were gracious on your people <laughs> to, uh, to enable them to survive us. Um, but, you know, we, we experienced all of the trauma of moving to a different city. Um, uh, you know, some of the, the experiences we had um, as, a, as a family that we're trying to figure out how best to, to raise a, a foster child and how best to raise our own biological children whilst pastoring, whilst being away from family. That was, it was tough, you know, it was a, a journey of, um, my goodness, many years, um, both in Pretoria and in Johannesburg of trying to find the balance between family and, 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 and ministry and how to be a good dad, how to be a good husband, how to be a, a good pastor. And, 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 and really some of the, the pressure which we experience within the family dynamics, and I can't go into too much detail right, right now, but some of those, those, those pressure points we experienced really came to challenge my perspective as to what can God use in my life, you know? So there was a place where Heinrich had to come to the end of himself. There's a place where Heinrich as the, as, the, as the dad, the good dad, the guy who does the right things, who knows how to, do, how to be patient, how to be forgiving. I, I was brought to the end of my limits. Um, and, and that's really where I felt my pastoral anointing actually went to the next level as well. Because there, there was something in me almost that, yes, I was naturally gifted, but there comes a place where your natural gifting isn't good enough anymore. 
And it's such a scary place. Uh, I'm sure, Andre, you've been there as well, where, where you know, like, you just can't, you know? You have to die to self. And you, whatever has worked in the past doesn't work anymore. Uh, the things that you, you thought was going to turn out this way, our, 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 our journey as a fostering family, it was a beautiful journey, and we're so, so thankful to God for the beautiful things that he has done. But in many cases, it didn't work out the way that we thought it would. And you know, to, to be able to journey through that and, and, and come to the end of yourself and say, okay, God, um, am I still called to be the pastor? Am I still called to be the father to my family? Still called to be the father to our church family? And then to tap into that supernatural grace of God. So what I found, Andre, in, in terms of character building is that there's a place where character in your own strength will only take you so far. And then you have to die to that. And you're not going to die to that unless something in you dies as well. Um, and, and, and a dream dies. Um, you know, a word has to be placed on the altar. And, and it's not a comfortable place. It's a painful place. I don't think the crucifixion for Jesus was that easy either. Um, but in the, other, in the other end of that, there's resurrection. And so with the pain that we've gone through, I've, I've seen how God uses that to make our hearts in, get in tune with the pain that others have and to connect with them on that level. So looking back, certainly as far as the pastoral is concerned, most of the capacity and the grace that I experienced in my life came from us coming to a dead end in our own strength and God then taking us next level in that. Um, it's, not, it's not easy, but I wouldn't have it any other way.